0: it's Erica and Rachel and you're listening to Story Crime. It's a very special episode this week. We are going to be celebrating International Women's Day. Woo!
1: National women's day to all the ladies out there
0: yeah and we have a really special episode today and it's gonna be kind of bleak at first but hang in there it's it will get better it's a true story of hope and justice but I will give a trigger warning right off the bat there's gonna be some very uh, graphic discussion of rape and oh. attempted murder in this episode um but nobody dies. And like I said, hang in there. Try to get through it with us. If you need to take breaks or skip certain parts, we totally understand. But I read this book recently and it was something, I, I have never read a book like this or heard a story like this before in my life. And it's just so incredible. Uh, such a, an incredible survivor ta- survival tale. So I really wanted to share it with everyone because it's not a very well-known case so without further ado today we are going to be talking about a woman named Alison Botha from South Africa okay and I cannot say enough about this woman she is everything that I wish I could be in a human being all wrapped up into one person so Allison, if you ever listen to this you are a legend you are a legend i can't even so i'm excited to hear about her yes so we're gonna get right into it so this story takes place in um port elizabeth in south africa and on december 18th of 1994 27 year old Alison Botha had just finished up on a lovely summer day which would be lovely in december i'm sure uh and she spent the day at the beach just kind of hanging around with friends and just having a good day of it having a few drinks on the beach and soaking up the sun Uh, everything had just been perfect that day and they had enjoyed sunshine and then headed back to her place uh, just to play some games and eat some pizza at the end of the night one of her friends that was over at her place had asked if she could get a ride home because she didn't have her car with her and Allison said of course and she it was perfect because she had actually had done laundry at her friend's house so she was like I'll just pick up my laundry while I'm there this is perfect so she drove her home and it was probably a little after midnight when she went so When she got back to her place, the parking spot that she had normally parked in that was right in front of her apartment building was taken. So she parked just a little ways down the street. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, yeah, and she had to walk just a little bit. It wasn't too far, but she did have to park a little ways down the street. And when she was, she had kind of leaned over onto her passenger side seat and was sort of collecting all of her laundry and getting her stuff together. And she felt her car door open. Um. And before she even had a chance to move she had a knife pressed up against her throat and she heard the person who had opened her door say move over and i won't
1: kill you oh no it's yeah. like my worst nightmare
0: mine too and i check my car every time i go anywhere cuz i'm always every scared time. and yeah. i'm i'm always leaving work at night so it's like i'm tr- i try to be cautious but you just never know mm-hmm. so uh this was the moment that was going to change Allison's life literally forever oh no so just a little background on allison she was born on september 22nd 1967 in port elizabeth south africa her parents were divorced when she was 10 and she went to live with her mom and her brother and her father i think moved to johannesburg so she was extremely close with her family though with both parents and and her brother she was extremely smart and well liked at school she was head girl at her the collegiate school school for girls where she attended which I think might be like a valedictorian situation. I'm not sure. Sounds um,
1: like
0: it. Yeah. Uh, after school, she didn't really know what she wanted to do with her life. So she was really smart. Um, all of her teachers uh, and counselors at her school had said that she should go and be a doctor or a lawyer because she just had her wits about her, you know?
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: But after she graduated, she still didn't know what she wanted to do. So she spent three years abroad in England um, after she graduated so that she could just find her dreams. Um, she then took a secretarial course as kind of a fallback before she was hired as an insurance broker at a travel agency in South oh. Africa at this point. So she's back in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Allison, she always downspl- downplays herself in all of the accounts that I've read. But she just seems so wonderful in like every possible way. I like that, like, you always hear these in these podcasts when you talk about victims that, like, if anyone ever needed anything, she would always be the first to lend a helping hand or just a listening ear. And, like I said, you hear this all the time, but, like, throughout all my research, and there's books and video um, documentaries on this, like, you can just really tell that this is just who she was. And Mm -hmm. everyone describes her, all says this about her as well. I don't know. I just, I really wish she could be my friend. I just (laughs) love her.
1: Overall, good person.
0: Yes, and I just love her. So the guy that opened her car door and was now attempting to, what Allison thought, steal her car, his name was Clinton. Is that's the name that he gave her? So he was actually a man named Franz Dutrois, who is a real piece of shit. just so everyone knows
1: throwing it out there yeah, real yeah. piece of shit okay just casual just casual piece of shit
0: you're of them all piece of shit so after crawling into allison's car that evening he began to drive around the city he drove up and down all these busy main streets and allison could see there were people out like at clubs and stuff like that and he was telling allison he wasn't going to hurt her he just wanted to borrow the car So she was holding on to her dear laundry or her dear laundry. She was holding on for dear life to her laundry. And (laughs) she said um, about the laundry that it just like the smell of the clean laundry, like it was giving her some kind of comfort, like a sense like a piece of her was there and she was just trying to forget what this idiot was doing. So she chose to believe that he was like, this was just a carjacking, right? She was telling herself this and that she was going to be okay. And that the next day, this would just be a really hilarious story to tell her mom, like just something crazy to tell her mom about on the phone. Like, oh my God, you'll never guess what happened to me last night. And then he started making small talk with Allison. He asked her what her name was and she told him it was Susan. And obviously we know that's not her name, but she didn't want him having too much information about her, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he also asked if she had a boyfriend, so, she didn't have a boyfriend, but she told him, yes, I have a boyfriend. And, you know, he's expecting me at home, so he's going to know I'm missing and, and call the cops. So, just take the car. You know, it's an old car. I don't. I was planning on replacing it anyway. You can keep it. And, you know, I won't call police. Just, you know, mm-hmm. let me go and we can avoid any, any trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. Reasonable.
0: This is when he stopped the car. Okay. But he wasn't letting Allison go away. He was actually picking up a friend of his. Oh. And Allison says that when she looked in the rearview mirror at the man that got in the car, she said she knew that things were not going to end good. His eyes were dark and dead. And the only thing behind them, them was pure evil. Oh, no. Just total different vibe than Franz. Yeah. This man's like Franz is evil on his own, but this guy was just. Stone
1: cold evil.
0: Yes. So his name was Tens. I think I'm saying this right. Tens Kruger. Um so it sound like a
1: great name for a <laughs> for this guy. Yes. Oh, he's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Allison watched through the window as they drove further and further to the edge of the city. And she did think about jumping out, but she didn't really have a good idea geographically of where she was. Like she knew the city pretty well, but it was nighttime and there was a lot going on obviously. And even if she did jump out, she wasn't even sure if there would be anyone really around to help her. So she decided her best bet was to stay compliant with her captors and hopefully they would just drop her off in the middle of nowhere and steal the car. So she's still clinging to that piece of hope that this is just a carjacking,
1: right? Anything to get her through right now.
0: Yes. So Franz pulled the car into an isolated spot off of the highway and it was like a little barbecue spot where people would go and have picnics he put the car into park, and he shut off the lights, and Allison asked him, well, now what? And Tians had exited the car at this point, and France had said, I thought you would have realized that we wanted sex. Oh, no. So, then he asked her, are you going to fight us? And Allison said no. So, guys, this is where we're going to get into the that um, talk about the rape here. So if A little trigger warning, yeah. <laughs> little trigger warning. So, if... This is something that you're uncomfortable listening to. Like I said, completely understand if you want to fast forward through it. Um, but please try, even if you fast forward through the right, please try to join back in afterwards. Because it's I can't, worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. The payoff is, is worth it. So Allison said, no, she wasn't going to fight them. And again, she was realizing that complying with their demands would be her best bet to keep herself alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Franz proceeded by forcing Allison to perform oral sex on him telling her if you bite me I will kill you (sighs) it would be so hard not to bite are you kidding I know
1: oh fuck
0: (laughs) I can't imagine being in this situation at all like I just my brain can't go there
1: Mm -mm.
0: so she performed oral sex on him and then he did the same to her and then he proceeded to full-on rape her in the car
1: Mm.
0: so Allison has spoke very openly about this ordeal Um, and she has also spoke openly about the fact that in her words she became moist or was turned on or had an orgasm during this experience and just the betrayal she felt by her own body. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did want to note that this is something that is totally normal. It happens to many victims of rape and it's a defense mechanism that The body uses to defend itself um to keep it from being injured our bodies
1: are quite incredible aren't they
0: they are so um so he did rape her in the back of the car and at the end of that ordeal he told her that you have a really nice tasting fanny so it's just disgusting disgusting when he was done, Franz got out of the car and asked the uh sorry, Tens, Do you want to have sex with this lovely lady? And Tanz replied, No, I just wanna fuck the bitch. So showing I a wheel I hate him as, as well. Uh Franz snapped back at Tens, though, and he said, You can't talk to her like that. This is a real lady. She's real high class. So what? Thanks. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see later with Franz that he has a habit of treating these women um, because this is not his first time, I should say. Mm -hmm. And he has, in the past, treated women as though these are dates. They're not. It's not a a crime.
1: Yeah, what a warped sense of reality.
0: Yeah. So next, with Franz watching on from outside the car, Tins began trying to rape Allison as well, but he couldn't get it up. So he stopped. Good. Him. Yeah, good. So he stopped and he got out of the car. Okay. He he walked around to the front of the car and he was like sitting on the front and this is when Allison got her first glimpse of what appeared to be a large hunting knife that Tins had brought with him. So it was almost like a machete style yeah. of knife. It was a big one. So she was now more terrified than she had ever been before, knowing that teens was capable of literally anything
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she, like i said she had seen what just appeared to be pure evil lurking behind his eyes so now both of the attackers were now outside the car and allison could hear them discussing what they thought they should do with her and she was having a hard time really understanding because they were speaking in afrikaans the whole am i saying that right afrikaan is that the language so they mm-hmm. were speaking in their um language uh, but she was able to pick up some of it just from what she had learned through her schooling. Mm-hmm. So, what they were talking about, they said, What would Um Nick want us to do with her? Allison knew that Um Nick was another name for Satan. So, oh. Yeah, so she was, that was obviously frightening to hear. Yeah, very
1: frightening. That's the last (laughs) Um, thing you want to hear.
0: Yeah, and so the other, she wasn't sure who was talking at this point, so it said the other one replied, I think he wants us to kill her. So, not good.
1: Jeez. Yes. Uh,
0: Franz came back to the car and demanded that Allison get undressed once again, because at this point she had already put her clothes back on. Mm Okay they took all of her jewelry and Allison thought that at this point they were just going to let her go but the next thing she knew franz was on top of her with her hand around her, with his hand around her neck strangling her mm. she remembers gasping out the words please don't kill me oh. she said yeah she said as he squeezed tighter she could feel that her bowels were emptying and i'm not going to say that just to be shocking or as a way to like, like just include a detail that seems unnecessary, but it is very necessary because this actually is normal when you're being strangled. And mm-hmm. it actually was one of the things that happened during this that actually saved her life. In the oh, end. Wow. So we will talk about that a little bit later. Okay. So when she, she ended up passing out while he was strangling her. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she came to, she realized now that she was on the ground outside of her car and Franz was on top of her. He had taken the knife, and he was slashing at her neck. Her body felt like a pile of lead. She couldn't move a thing, but she couldn't feel any pain.
1: Oh. Wow.
0: Yeah. And suddenly, they just stopped, and they got up, and they walked away from her, her body. She was laying there just covered in blood, battered, and bruised. She started to roll over but thought, what if they saw me, and they came back and finished the job? But they didn't. They talked for a moment, and they threw some of her clothes on her and got in the car and left. They were sure they had killed her, but Allison yep. wasn't dead because she's a legend.
1: <laughs> because she
0: is a legend. Yes. She wasn't even close to being dead. And now that we've gotten that horrible part all out of the way, this mm-hmm. is where the story really starts. This is where we really see how like epic Allison is. She's just the biggest okay. badass I have ever heard of. I know I'm saying that a lot, but I I just can't. <laughs> I, so, know, I can't wait. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of what has happened here to her, Allison had been stabbed in the abdomen multiple times and she had been disemboweled in the process.
1: <gasps> oh.
0: She could feel something cold and wet on her legs, and so she reached down to feel what was going on and realized that her intestines were all rusting on the ground around her oh. and on her on her legs. Goodness. She reached up to feel her throat because she knew she had been slashed. And when she put her hand up by her neck, her whole hand disappeared inside of her. Oh, my God. Her throat had been slashed 17 times. And she <sighs> she was nearly decapitated. I mean, no wonder they thought she was dead. Like, what the hell? Well, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. So in that moment, Allison basically felt herself lift out of her body. And she was just laying there sort of not knowing what to do. And she said that she could feel, it felt like she had lifted up and she was looking at herself down on the ground and she knew that she had a choice. Mm -hmm. She knew that her easiest choice was to just lay there, bleed out, die. Okay. Mm -hmm. But she also knew that she could choose to live and that she had so much to live for and so many things that she wanted to do. And so she made that choice and she began a journey of saving her own life.
1: What a boss. I love that.
0: Yes. Holy cow. So she knew that she, if she didn't survive mm-hmm. this night, she wanted to make sure that her attackers would be identified. Good. So the first thing she did was using her finger in the sand beside her, she wrote the names of both of hers, the assailants.
1: Wow. Right? Even the strength of that, it would, like, it would take all of your strength to Indeed. do that. So she
0: wrote Franz and T tens in the sand beside her and underneath she wrote i love mom
1: because
0: even in this state she still she wanted to make sure her mom knew i -hmm. love you she next because remember i said they threw some of the laundry that she had out of the car yeah so she grabbed one of the shirts that they had thrown out and she wrapped it around she gathered up her intestines and wrapped the shirt around her
1: intestines oh my imagine doing that like oh
0: i can't I know. Like I said, even trying to picture what, like, picture this as I was reading it, I can't even picture what it looks like because it's just so beyond my understanding. My brain can't go there. So, so she gathered up her intestines and she held her throat, and somehow she was able to begin crawling. I don't know how, but she was able to begin crawling. Uh, The
1: strength of a woman, I'm telling
0: you. I know, right? And that survival instinct. Mm -hmm. So. She started crawling, but realized it was taking way too long to crawl. So she, with all of the strength she had left, she got up on her feet.
1: Tell me. Oh, my God. Okay.
0: Okay. So she stood up, and everything went black. She couldn't see anything. Okay. Which you think might be attributed to blood loss or any of that, but it wasn't. What had happened was is that when her throat was slashed, her muscles, all the muscles in her neck had been severed, and her head had okay. literally was basically it flopped backwards and it was basically sitting between her shoulder blades. So she was oh. looking up.
1: Oh my sky. God.
0: So with her hand, she reached for her head and she pulled no, it up stop. and she, one hand on her head, the other on her intestines, walked the rest of the way to the road.
1: Get out of here. Uh,
0: that's why I'm telling you, this woman is a legend rachel i've stubbed my toe before and have been down for the count i know i was there <laughs> i like that if I... I had an ounce of her survival instinct in me i i don't
1: even know like i i wish i had it her will to live is just unbelievable me. like yes. wow <sighs> okay continue. so
0: she slowly began walking and this is nothing short of a miracle because i mean you've heard all the injuries she she just shouldn't be alive yeah right like she just shouldn't be it's just there's nothing scientific there's to explain this at this point she just should yeah. not be alive right but here she is walking from the scene of her own murder Oh. <laughs> i know i am you gotta take a minute because it's
1: it's so hard to believe well, and it's just so, like, the the sight of that as well. Right. You know.
0: She yeah. said it was like something or someone was carrying her. She didn't know what it was, but she really felt like it didn't even feel like at times that her feet were on the ground. It just felt like something was carrying her. And in her mind, she knew she had to make it to the road. There was no way because if she had, had given up halfway
1: mm-hmm. and her
0: body had been found and it, she knew that her mother would think she had suffered right because it was clear that if her body was found halfway between the site of the attack and where she just laid down and died then her mother would think she had suffered and she could not have her mother thinking that so she just kept fighting
1: imagine fighting for your life and you're still thinking of others and other people's feelings like it's just I know what an incredible woman
0: I know and I'm not even like halfway into this yet like oh i'm just at the beginning okay so
1: okay. i'm telling you this
0: is why i had to do this and it's so perfect for international women's day because these are the type of women we should be celebrating on these days these women that are fighting not just for themselves but for everyone else so yeah so like the legend she is because i've said that so many times <laughs> she made it she made it to the road yes And when she felt that her feet had hit the pavement of the highway, she just fell right to the ground. And she laid there in the middle of the road, just hoping for a car to come. So I know some of you might be thinking, holy crap, this has been like, what a night for her. Hours of torture. And you'd be kind of right. But this entire ordeal from the time she was picked up in front of her house by Franz until she made it to the middle of the road was 90 minutes.
1: 90, an hour and a half.
0: Hour and a half. What? I know.
1: Okay. That's poor.
0: I know. Girl. All right. So she figured if someone saw her in the road and stopped, she would be saved. And soon she did hear a car approach, but panic set in because her first thought was that this was Franz in 10. That's my back. first thought too. Yeah. It wasn't, thankfully.
1: <gasps> okay.
0: But the car that did come was... it stopped for a little bit and then drove away and it what leaving her there well you gotta imagine so put yourself in the situation because at first I was thinking the same thing I was like what a dick who was in yeah. the car like why would you just leave her but what if it was like an elderly woman driving alone and saw this naked bloody body in the middle of the road and and was scared
1: but so I would hope that they would just be going driving off to find someone else to deal with it then
0: and I hope that that's what that person did
1: Yes. But we don't know. We don't. We don't really
0: know what happened with that car. Well, let's pretend that we did for humanity's sake. Yeah. Yes. Just so that we can feel a little better about it. <laughs> it, it was a few minutes later, and another car pulled up, and this time people did get out of the car. Okay, good. Yes. So amazingly, the group that had stopped this time—tell
1: me they're paramedics or something, doctors.
0: They aren't. They had a cell phone. Oh. <laughs> Thank goodness. Wait, what year is this? <laughs> 1994. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cell phones, especially in South Africa, were not, they were such a new technology that people just didn't have them. So this is another one of the miracles that we're talking about. There are so many like random things that just can't be, like, that can only be, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a religious person by any stretch. I do have my own spiritual beliefs, which we won't get into, but I'm not religious by standard definitions. But some of the things that happened in this case cannot be described as anything other than miraculous, just because there's no other explanation for it. Right. So they had a cell phone and they were able to call for paramedics. But also in that car was who would end up being like the knight in shining armor of this whole situation, besides Allison herself. Uh mm-hmm. his name, now this name is very close to one of the perpetrators of this crime. His name is Tian. So the, the man, the one of the rapists, his name was Tens. Okay. This man's name is Tian. Okay. So it might get confusing, but hopefully we can keep it straight here. So yes. Tans was a 20-year-old veterinary student. So he had some medical experience. And with his, like, learning about treating animals, he did have some knowledge of, like, human um, anatomy. And he also knew, like, basic steps to take to keep Allison alive until help would get there. Her injuries were extensive and obviously life-threatening. And he wanted to make sure that Allison did not fall asleep while waiting for the ambulance. He also wanted to get more information from Allison. So mm-hmm. they actually came up with, like, he and Allison, because Allison was still awake and she was still able to, she wasn't able to speak, but she was able to, in some ways, communicate to these people, mm-hmm. to, to Tian and so they kind of started a system whereby if he asked her a question she would squeeze his hand once or twice if the answer was yes or no so wow. he could get some answers out of her yeah. um this was really cute he also kept reminding her that she just had to make it because she he had just bought a new shirt and she'd ruined it <laughs> yeah and she was gonna have to take him out on a date after to pay him back so
1: oh i love that little humor in there just lol to yeah the whole situation yeah and he also always
0: said, like, she just had the most beautiful eyes. And like you could just see, like, they were bloodshot, full of like just because of everything. Yeah, of course. And but just the most beautiful eyes. And he kept telling you, you gotta keep those beautiful eyes open. And hey. um, he called some of his friends over and he said, if you can't be here for this, that's fine. Go to the car, call for an ambulance. But I need somebody to rub her legs because it's of the importance of keeping the blood circulating through her yeah. body. <clears throat> Um, so, frustratingly, it took 50 minutes before the ambulance arrived. 50.
1: 5, zero. F- five zero. And she stayed al- away alive this she long. Said,
0: yes. To wait 50 wow. minutes for an ambulance. It, wow. It's kind of worse. So, it took 50 minutes for the, the hospital to arrive and start taking her to, to, or sorry, for the ambulance to arrive and start taking her to the hospital. Okay. Tien's said that the ambulance was driving so slowly that he had to keep reminding him of how urgent the situation actually was.
1: What the fuck?
0: Well, the paramedics, they said they had never seen somebody in such a state as Allison, and they figured that she was not going to make it. So they taking their time for taking their sweetest role. Yeah. So Allison was rushed into the casualty unit of the hospital once they arrived. And right from the get go, it was clear to everyone who saw her that, They just, they had no idea what to do. They were all in a state of panic. They just, they had no idea what to do with her. Um, So while hospital staff were busy getting to work on Allison's injuries, she could feel that she was starting to choke on her own blood. Mm -hmm. And so she started finding ways to communicate with the nurses that this, there was a new problem here. Um, And thankfully she was able to get their attention and they put a suction cup into her neck and or a suction pump, sorry, into her neck to keep the blood from, from going down her throat. Um, So now she was in the operating theater and everyone left and Allison was just kind of there, dazed and confused. And she thought like, what's going on? So suddenly a man in a white coat appeared and informed her that she needed emergency surgery.
1: You think? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. It seems kind of common sense, but they need to tell her. Like they, she should already be in the OR right now, prepped, ready to go. Well, they needed to inform her that because they also needed to get her consent to continue. And she was uh, like, yeah, thumbs up. Go, go, yeah. go.
1: Like, what, the, what do I have to do? Cut my head off? Like, yes. Get <laughs> in the um, OR.
0: Yeah. So with all of her injuries and her physical and emotional trauma that she had been through that night, Allison was not able to give consent, not only able to give consent, but she was able to sign it on her own and write down her mother's phone number.
1: Why didn't Why didn't she just stitch herself up, too, on the way? Like, what the hell is this woman okay. superwoman? I know.
0: Exactly. And I know you're saying all that now. But the doctor in this case is actually very good. So okay. he is really good.
1: Do you mind just writing down your grocery list as we go? Just
0: to, <laughs> exactly. Like,
1: what?
0: So another doctor came after this and told her that they were going to need to see a specialist. And Allison thought, oh, my God, if we wait for a specialist, I'm going to die. So thankfully there was another doctor there. So this was the, the uh, ER doctor had come in and uh, he came in and he said, you know, like in my country, cause he had come from an, uh, like, he was living in Africa, but he had come, I think from somewhere like in maybe middle Eastern country. Okay. And um, he said, I'm also trained as a thoracic surgeon. And he said, I, I can do this. I know I can. Another okay. freaking miracle because on any other night, any other doctor working in the trauma ward, would not have been able to do this surgery. Wow. So this doctor's name was Dr. Volodya Angelov. Wow! Yeah. So the other doctor that had already been in the room, his name was Dr. Komen, and he was the anesthesiologist who was going to be working with Allison as well, along with Dr. Angelov. Okay. So the doctors checked all of her blood work, and her blood pressure was 90 over 50, and her pulse rate was 125, which means nothing to me because I'm not a doctor. But I can tell it's not ideal. <laughs> um, it was clear that she was in a total state of shock and she had lost an, a large amount of blood, obviously, and was extremely dehydrated. They knew if they didn't act fast, she would go into early renal failure, which could result obviously in death. So when Dr. Angela got a closer look at her injuries, he could see that the muscle in her neck had been completely severed and he was able to see her spinal column clearly through the front of her
1: neck. Oh gosh, Okay.
0: Her neck had been cut from ear to ear, and her thyroid had been sliced in two, and because of Tian's quick thinking, he had tucked that inside to keep it moist. Now, this wound alone should have killed her.
1: Really? Wow.
0: Her trachea had been cut in half, and her larynx had been separated from the lower part of her trachea, Mm -hmm. and all of the main veins had, had been cut, and it was nothing short of a miracle that... These two fucking monsters who left her in that picnic area Mm -hmm. missed all of the major arteries and her voice box.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So next, uh, the doctor examined her abdomen. Allison's entire small intestine had been exposed and it was covered in dirt, sand, leaves, and just other random debris that was scattered around in the site where she was it was her intestine also had been ruptured by multiple stab wounds all over it. Luckily, Alison, as I said, had emptied her bowels before, like, well, Franz had attempted to strangle her
1: mm-hmm.
0: because if her bowels had been full, her risk of infection and death from that infection would have increased significantly. Wow. So that's why I said that I wasn't saying that just for like shock yeah. value or to add like a weird dis- like, gross sort of uh detail to the story it was actually a life-saving event that happened so after he was done with the inspection of her intestines dr Angelov got to work starting with her neck wounds um he stuck uh stitched up the various injuries there and that took him roughly about two hours to perform this part and it was a very delicate surgery obviously because he's stitching together all those muscles and getting all of that back so that that can start healing and she can have that strength in her neck back. Um, and then he got to work cleaning her abdomen area. Uh, he had to clean it so gently because it's such a sensitive area. Um, and he sometimes had to use like a little scrubber brush, like a ta- like a toothbrush size sort of thing, just to get all of that debris off. Yeah. So it was such a sensitive area and leaving anything behind that was unclean and inside there could lead to sepsis or death down the line. So he had to be sure before anything Absolutely. Um, parts of her lower bowel had also been ruptured during her attack, but her uterus had only been nicked by the knife once.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Her He examined every inch of the intestine and stitched up all of the cuts and ruptures. And once he was done, he ended up removing the entire intestine again and re-examined them just to be sure that there were no leaks or air bubbles or anything like that in the whole region. He stitched Allison up, knowing that he would be seeing her again many times down the line. But for now, she was out of the danger zone. Wow. Right. So three hours later, Allison was uh, taken to the high care ward to start her recovery. Dr. Angelov, who is a man of science, obviously he's a doctor. Mm -hmm. He even believed that he had witnessed a miracle that night. There was no medical or scientific explanation as to how this woman was alive. Yeah. Holy cow right so you you get a doctor saying that because they don't they will always look for any kind of scientific explanation as to what's going on they think that anything can be explained away but even he said there
1: was he could not
0: yeah the next morning allison woke up to find herself in the high care unit of the hospital and in classic allison style her first thought was not about herself or anything that she had been through but she all of a sudden she woke up and the first thing she remembered was that her friend, Helena, was coming to visit her that day from London. And oh. she was like, she was like, oh, shit, I need to get my mom on the line. Like, she called her mom, or her mom actually was already at the hospital, and said, like, you got to get a hold of Helena. Because, like, spoiler alert, not going to be in the airport. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and her mom was like, don't worry, I'll take care of that. Um, So next, Allison's primary focus was catching the fuckbags that did this to her so serious fuck bags
1: serious fuck yeah. bags. i hope many, they get
0: caught. many people uh did come to visit her that day including Tian's, the veterinary student who basically saved her life completely saved her life yeah uh and then also her father brian had also arrived from johannesburg and again allison was more worried about him and how he was feeling about this whole thing than she was about herself because she is an angel. <laughs>
1: So I don't know how you feel about seeing me like this. Um, yeah. Well, this is, and she
0: like spent time like comforting her parents throughout the whole thing because she just was worried about them. She knew yeah. that Um, her friends came to visit her at one point as well. And they were all crying when they walked in the room because they just couldn't believe they knew it was bad, but they just weren't expecting what they were going to see. Mm-hmm. And so they just burst into tears when they saw her. And she said, guys, don't worry about it. Look, I didn't even break a nail. Oh my she, God. And it was true, like her nails were covered her. in, her nails were cu- dirty, and covered in blood, and she, her hands were covered in injuries, but not one nail was broken. So,
1: <laughs> good Anna.
0: Um, her brother and sister-in-law also came, and because it was the high care ward, um, they had just had a baby that was four months old, and they couldn't, they weren't allowed to bring the baby in. So, they like, did some Mission Impossible, James Bond secret agent kind of shit and put the baby like up their clothes and their shirts and (laughs) snuck the baby in because Allison actually had never met her niece and this was the first time that she got to meet the baby so yeah what an introduction yes well and they can always say that you met your auntie after overcoming like the best like the most
1: the most severe case
0: of dying yeah, <laughs> so next to arrive by her bedside were two police officers, Nadia Swainpool and Jacques Von Rensburg. They wanted Allison to look at a book full of mugshots to see if she could identify her attackers. Allison knew without a doubt that she would be able to find them, and she got to work looking through each page. Now, she couldn't move her head because of the surgery the night before, yeah. Yeah. And so they kind of held the book up for her, and they were flipping through, and she had a brief moment of self-doubt just because there were so many pictures and just she was still probably on some drugs while recovering from this surgery Hopefully
1: on some drugs
0: yeah but uh finally she saw him she knew it she confidently raised her hand and triumphantly pointed to the ugly piece of dirty garbage wet lettuce at the bottom piece of the page Wet yeah. lettuce. Ugh, he's gross perfect wait, wait till you see a picture of him because wet lettuce actually does describe him quite nicely okay <laughs> The police were ecstatic. Woohoo! This is what they needed to finally put this monster away. So later, the police, these two officers would come back and tell Allison that the DA had told them that it would be better if they had a verbal confirmation of her rapist ID. So she had a tube in her throat, right? To help her breathe and to control what was going on there. And... The doctor said there's no way you cannot take this tube out like we've done all this work on her throat it could tear the stitches she could die. And yeah. Allison stopped everyone and said gra- grab like a piece of paper and said take it out. Take it out.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> I <laughs> told you. She's, take
0: it out. Yes. So, in bold letters on a piece of paper, take it out. So they did very carefully and she they opened the book for her again and she pointed to each one and said fronds tens pointed to each picture wow yeah after the police officers left the district surgeon came in okay so this is kind of sad so we've just gone from but they came in after the police officers left and after everything else that her poor body had been through they had to do like a rape kit so she had to get vaginal swabs and all of that for forensic test testing and as horrible as it was she knew that this was just another step she had to take in order to catch these fucking trolls Yeah. The following Monday, Allison met uh, Melvin Humple, so he was going to be the lead investigator in her case. Mm-hmm. He informed her that they had found her car, as well as both of the men responsible for this. <gasps>
1: they found them already?
0: Already found them. Wow. So, of course, we know their names were Franz Tois and uh, Tens Kruger. Don't worry, Melvin told her. They won't get bail. We, we aren't going to make this mistake again oh mistake again so they've been arrested they've well they've been arrested before they've like i said before this wasn't franz's first time yes
1: yeah pictures
0: duh see franz and uh tens were already on bail after committing two other rapes before finding their way to allison Mm. their first case was committed solely by franz so he did this one alone He had abducted a woman while she was working, so she was doing, like, um, mystery shopping. So she was at, like, a pizza joint, kind of doing a review of the pizza. And he had shoved a gun to her head while she was sitting in her car, like, filling out paperwork. And same kind of story. He told her to move over and I won't kill you. Um, And then he took her to where, really close to where he took Allison that night, and he sexually assaulted her and raped her. When he was done, he drove her to a restaurant and bought her a sandwich and a rose, what? which is just disgusting. I hate him so much. He raped her again after she ate the sandwich. And when he dropped her off, he told her that she was an amazing person and he would love to make it up to her sometime. What? I told you, like, it's a weird, like, like he thinks that he's dating them. I, I don't know. He's fucked up. I can't. I'm I'm not going to try to understand him.
1: No, I hate him.
0: Yeah. The woman, uh, this first victim, hadn't told anyone out of fear that he would find out and kill her. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Finally, after a few weeks, and a friend that she had confided in had convinced her to go to the police, and she reported him, and he was arrested. So this next victim, I don't really know too many details on it, but what I do know is that Franz and Tian's abducted this woman together, and she was pregnant. And they uh-huh. raped her together. Uh-huh. Um. So I'm going to spend just a just a teensy weensy bit of time talking about these dirtbags because I hate them, and okay. there's no excuse for what they did here. And but I do want to give a little background because we I think that's important too to kind of understand them. Uh. So Franz Detroit, he was actually the son of an wall North policeman, and he said he once had a good relationship with his family. He grew up a Christian, but was never confirmed. I don't know what that means. Like baptized or whatever ceremony it it would be. Okay. So when he was about 13, he began to dabble in Satanism as one does at 13, you know. Yeah. I mean, just your run of the mill Satanism at 13. Mm -hmm. At this time, he had also started hanging around a bit of a sketchy crowd of people at school. So he was kicked out of school when he was suspected of burning down one of the hostels, which I think is like a residence building at the school. So, I mean, at 13, he burned it down, yeah. Well, they suspected, but I'm sure he did it because he's an a hole. Well, and he also said that he burnt the building because he listened to heavy metal music and the backtrack made him do it.
1: Oh, of course. He said he could blame it on
0: the music. He said he could hear subliminal messages saying, Do it, you fool. (laughs) Like, <laughs> and of course know. that meant burn down this hostel just do it you fool he he said he began seriously exploring satanism when he started dating a girl who claimed to be a witch oh she sounds cool yeah. <laughs> she was a student at the same school as him and said they were mysteriously drawn to each other he also said that she was the head of a witch coven and had supernatural powers
1: Oh, my God. Shout out to the witches. International Women's Day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: have a problem with this girl. She wants to be a witch and the the head of a coven. Go. Oh, yeah. She didn't do anything wrong. Um. Um, So he had seen her cast spells on people hoping to bring ill fortune into their lives. So that's not good. Please don't do that, girl. Let's bring good fortune to people. Yeah. Unless they're France du in which case, let's give that fortune to him. He said he had heard demons speak through her like this.
1: Did that sound like a demon? I mean, as far as demons go, I guess (laughs) so. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) From that
0: point on, Franz's life would take a serious nosedive. Uh, He he never finished school and he failed standard seven twice.
1: So maybe she did put the spell on him. Maybe she did. So thanks, girl. I don't know her name, but thank you. If that's what you
0: did. She's a bad witch. Mm. There you go. Um, so, yeah, he never finished school, and he failed standard seven twice. I'm not sure what standard seven is, so anyone who knows, let me know. His parents sent him off to the army, and he was stationed in Kimberley and fought on the border in, South, in southwest Africa for 19 months. After his service, he worked at a mine in Wellcom that his dad, he knew someone, he persuaded them to give him a job, and he failed miserably.
1: Nepotism,
0: standard <laughs> nepotism. He failed miserably at that job, and somehow managed uh, during this time to meet a woman who, for some god known unknown reason, married him and had a baby with him.
1: Mm.
0: But not to worry, he abandoned that family probably for the best and headed back to Port Elizabeth and the sea, as yes, he said, where he worked driving trucks for a stationary company. Also lost that job because he was caught stealing money, but the company later dropped the charges against him. Mm. Franz then traveled around doing odd jobs before returning again to Port Elizabeth and marrying, for the second time, his wife, Natalie, in 1993. He said that during that time, he had performed a ritual asking the devil to give him a son that would be born on his birthday, and that wish was honored. because What? His wife... the... What? What? Yeah, that wish was honored. He did have a son with his new wife and was born on July 6th, the same
1: day as him. Um okay, hundred percent the witch is involved here like we probably should have led with that yeah. <laughs> what I know
0: there's no wonder why better. he
1: was then talking to Satan when he was trying to kill Allison because
0: yeah he's
1: oh yeah so
0: um Natalie his new wife was by him spellbound by him and she... yeah
1: clearly yes
0: yeah. <laughs> all these kind of spells are definitely involved yeah. she and she would like disgustingly stand by him throughout everything including oh. all of the heinous acts that he would go on to commit in less than a year after marrying her
1: oh that's not cool
0: when Franz was in jail awaiting trial he claimed to have a change of heart regarding his satanism which most usually do they find god they found god they find religion right oh okay and he asked for a priest to come and do an exorcism which i could just see him being like guard guard i need a young priest and an old priest please i uh i I need an exorcism stat so it it did seem as though he was trying to use the satanism thing as a defense and thought that if he got an exorcism it would probably look good for his defense because he's an actual idiot i mean i I mean i have no words (laughs) he got the exorcism too eh? and i (laughs) wish i
1: could have been there (laughs)
0: Was, I was like Is like a picture him like flailing dramatically on a bed and like
1: one of the guards is there flicking the lights
0: yeah <laughs> the power of Christ compels you anyways he had the exorcism but nobody bought this BS at all in court no. thank god um so now I'm gonna give a little background on the, our other uh piece of shit piece of shit wet lettuce garbage <laughs> human Tens Kruger His biological father was actually sent to prison when he was just a newborn, so he was raised by his mother and never knew his dad. So his dad wasn't Freddy Krueger? Maybe it was. (laughs) Maybe he was actually burned in the basement of a school by other angry parents and just haunting the dreams of other, haunting the dreams of France de Oh my God. (laughs) It's all coming together we've cracked the code we've 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 solved this case we've blown this case wide open (laughs) so his mother then married a man named mr kruger so no we're wrong (laughs) we take it back and he registered tian's with his name but he also turned out to be a piece of shit so tian's mother divorced him or tian's tian's mother divorced him Ten's mother had posted an ad in the lonely heart section of the paper later which led her to a mr stein none of the first names were given only their last names just so you know that's why i'm
1: calling them mr Kruger, mr stein but remember uh, the time when you posted ads in the paper for that's dating
0: how, that's how like, my nana met her ben when she oh married God. her ben they met through an ad in the newspaper
1: oh, yeah. yeah now it's tinder same thing
0: <laughs> same shit <laughs>
1: Maybe they're, we should
0: start, like, a lonely... Maybe we could do, like, a lonely heart section of this podcast. They're looking
1: for love.
0: Sign up now. <laughs> Send us an email at storycrimepod at com, and we'll find a match for you. Yeah. Okay. Continue. But, no, that is how Nana and Ben met each other. And they were married for... Or they were together for almost 30 years. So I love to that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, they met through a lonely heart section of the newspaper, and she married... This man named Mr. Stein, who worked as a laborer for the forestry, forestry department. So she and her son moved in with Mr. Stein and they moved to the, I'm sorry if I say this wrong, sit Sikama Forest, where Mr. Stein was known as the Village Idiot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aw, poor Mr. Stein.
0: Uh, he was also brutish and unpredictable and he would take out most of his drunken rage on 10, so. Oh, we don't like him. He is an idiot. We don't like Mr. Stein. We don't like Tens either, but kid Tens probably didn't deserve that. So he was also bullied a lot by other children because he had a third nipple. (laughs) (laughs) That earned him the nickname Drie Tiet. I love that. He later had the the nipple removed later on, well, in the army. Tans completed standard eight before leaving school and headed to the army. He said he had once blown off a woman's head because she swore at the police so what cool flex bro
1: yeah you
0: piece of shit (laughs) the doctor who evaluated tans for trial thought that he suffered from low self-esteem and borderline personality disorder making him highly susceptible to other people's influences that Mm -hmm. makes sense right yeah i i would say that that's probably a reasonable evaluation of him So the trial lasted through the summer of 1995, and both Franz and Tans were convicted of three counts of rape, sexual assault, and one count each of attempted murder. Good. The judge on the case actually put a special note in each of their files that it was his recommendation that they never be released from jail due to the seriously deranged nature of their crimes. Good. He knew that if they had ever had the chance, they would do this again, and he didn't want to risk that. In fact, he said if the death penalty had been on the table, he would have went for it because that's how disturbed he was by these two guys. Wow. So Melvin Humple, who was also the um, lead investigator on the case, he said that he remembered when the boys were being led into, or the men, I should say, were being led into court for trial. He took their handcuffs off of them. And he said he did this because he wanted them to try to run so he could have an excuse to shoot them. (laughs) And he told them both that. So they never tried to run, needless Mm -hmm. to say, because at the end of the day, these people who do these kind of things are cowards.
1: Yeah, 100%. They are
0: scared shitless of anyone who can get the upper hand on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after the trial was over, Allison tried to get back to normal life, but soon fell into some serious bouts of depression. Um, Not only was she in physical pain daily, and she had said that, like, her recovery was the only word
1: she could describe was pain. Well, of course. Like Like, she the fact was, that you're alive is a miraculous, but yeah, that's going to be one painful recovery.
0: Wow. Well, and yeah. So she said that like, because of her surgery, like I said, the doctor, remember I said he knew that wasn't going to be his last time that he was seeing yeah. her. And that's because she would have to go for like once a week visits, maybe even more than that. I can't remember to go and get like the skin on her stomach, stomach scraped to allow um, healthy skin growth. Right. Yeah. And new cell growth. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And she would often say that she would, like, cry out when he's doing it. And she would say, oh, that really hurts. And he would say, the doctor would say, oh, that's really funny because I don't feel anything. (laughs) This doctor was a funny man. Like, she and she loved him. Mm -hmm. And he really cared for her as well. Um, And she always would say that, like, even after her recovery was done and she was better, she knew she was really going to miss their weekly visits. So, really nice, yeah. So... After the trial, she wasn't just dealing with all of that physical pain, but the emotional pain was really starting to set in and take its toll on her.
1: Um,
0: And she was never one to let her responsibilities slide, but she really found herself just not wanting to do things like go to work or socialize with any of her friends, which I think is, you know, to be expected. She knew something in her life had to change. Uh, before we get to that, though, I just want to say that one thing she did say was that she always felt so bad for her mom because her mom really bore the brunt of this. Her mom sounds like a really lovely woman as well and just like a oh. friggin' angel. And she took care of Allison hand and foot, bathing her, feeding her, doing everything she need- needed to do for her daughter, which many mothers, I think that maternal instinct right. is is there. I'm not even a mother and I, like I sometimes when my nieces and nephew are sick or something's going on, like I even feel that. So um but she said she was so mean to her mother, just Aww. all of her mood swings came out on her mom and her mom just took it. She knew that this was not, this was personal. The pain. It wasn't personal. This was Allison's pain speaking, not Allison.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so like I said, her she was starting to let all of her responsibilities slide. Her social life had kind of taken a dip and she knew that something had had to change. And after a lot of soul searching, Allison decided to finally leave her job at the travel agency, which she had gone back to work at. I was just going to say, hold on. She's
1: not off from work
0: so, <laughs> Like yeah so she was off for work for quite a while and then she did end up once she got to a good place in her recovery she was able to go back to work um, uh, and she had a really close relationship with her boss they were very supportive of her and I, one of the things she said is that she had stayed at that job afterwards for so long because she didn't want to disappoint or let down her boss who had been such a supportive figure in her life
1: another um, like
0: person she's thinking of other than herself but Mm -hmm. she did do a lot of soul searching and she did eventually end up leaving that job at the travel agency and soon after she had been asked to speak about her experience at a rotary club award ceremony where she had was being honored as citizen of the year award and so also tn's the man that from the, the veterinary student from that that saved her that night he was also given that award as well
1: oh good wow so
0: After speaking at the club, this would start her life on a whole new journey towards what would become her career as a motivational speaker. So this new career would take her all over the world, speaking to thousands of people of all ages and from all walks of life. She also went on to marry and have two children. Again, another miracle, considering the doctors thought that she would never be able. Her her Uh, whole
1: abdomen was severed, yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Um, and when she had her second child, her because after this whole ordeal, Tian's, his whole life took another journey as well. He gave up veterinary school and actually made the decision to become a doctor after Good. everything that went on with Allison. So found um, his
1: calling. he
0: did. And he actually delivered her second baby
1: stop it yeah oh my god and they were remand- like, saved the yeah. life and then brought in a life like yeah. i just cannot with this dude i know like, every oh TMs. all the good people in the story are like next level good people and they're um, all together like they're just such high level of amazingness and then they all found each other yeah like how do all these yeah crazy yeah Well,
0: you know how they always say, like, how do bad people find each other, right? Like, you see that all the time. Like, when you talk, well, Franz and tians, right, managed to come together. Uh, Tens. Tens. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Tens managed to come together. Um, You think of people like Carla Mocha and Paul Bernardo. Yep. You know, like that these crimes probably wouldn't have been committed if they hadn't have found each other but they did while in this case all of the right people also came together and, yeah. to save Allison right and to to wow. have her life carry on um so Allison and, and Tien's actually remained fr- really close friends like to this day oh, okay. um yeah so just a few other interesting tidbits that I kind of left out of the big bulk of this this was also a case in South Africa where it was the very first time that a one-way mirror was used as a lineup, or a one-way glass window was used for a ID lineup. Oh, so cool. Once Allison was released from hospital and Franz and, Tians, uh, Franz and Tens were arrested, she had identified them in the hospital with the book, but they also wanted her to come in to the station and identify them so what the standard practice was before this was that um the victim would have to go behind up behind the people in the lineup and tap them on the shoulder and say this is the guy
1: wait what yes that's how they used to identify
0: all the way up until 1994 when allison said i'm not doing it yeah and she and she so Melvin Humple said, well, I've heard about this thing going on, like, you know, over in North America and in Europe where they have this, like, piece of glass and the, the victims can see through, but the perpetrators can't see them. So this was the first time they brought it in and that's how Allison identified them as as well as the two other girls that have been raped by those two men. So, yeah, that was the first time. Wow. Yeah. So the other one, the other little weird tidbit about this is that in... D- 2015, despite the judge being very clear in his recommendations about Franz and Tians, um, they actually became eligible for parole.
1: No, so this was a change
0: in the legal system. So Allison was not made aware of this until a mother of an American woman who was get ready engaged to Franz wrote to Allison, asking her to help her make sure that this you know didn't
1: happen because she was trying to protect her daughter. Okay. Oh, the mother of the woman who's engaged. I was going to say, wait, you're engaged to him, but then you don't want him out, but it's the mother.
0: Yeah. So she had asked, so Allison didn't even know that they were eligible for parole. And the other thing was, is that Allison was like enraged about this because not only was she not told, but how the fuck is he using cell phones and Facebook while in jail?
1: Yeah. How did he have a whole
0: relationship in jail? He should not have been able to do that. So... I'm happy to announce that they, they did not get granted parole. They're still in jail. Okay, good. Whew. So there is a documentary about this uh, case called Allison. And Allison is featured all throughout it. So it's on Prime. You can watch it. So do it. But during the making of this documentary, Franz had actually contacted Allison through the documentarian who was making this film and said that he wanted he – would, he would give an interview Uh, allison had to write a letter of forgiveness
1: what yeah absolutely not sir so
0: that was declined but also he's he um in an like subsequent interview with someone else or in talks with somebody else had said that he really felt that he should be getting a share of profits from not only the movie but from the book i have life that allison wrote because had it not been for him she wouldn't have had the opportunities that she's had in her life and he deserves a cut of the
1: profit are you fucking kidding me the ball sack um, on him <laughs> like the gall the gumption the audacity
0: i can't i don't <laughs> understand but that just goes to show you like how absolutely fucked in his brain he is Like there's something wrong yes sir i would probably
1: rather not have this opportunity
0: yes. thanks like she probably would have been you know like maybe she wouldn't have been happy working as a child tra- and For the travel agency, her whole life, but she sure as shit would have been perfectly fine not having have happened to her. What? Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: The I'm just blown away at oh yeah, what a piece of shit. So I I guess
0: this is the end of the story that I'm going to tell you. But I really want to stress again what a legend allison is and I, I cannot recommend the book i have life by which was written by allison Botha herself as well as that documentary allison which i talked about earlier and like i said it's on amazon prime i'm gonna link them both um in the show notes so please please watch please amazing
1: read. give a round of applause for that woman and her survival story that is incredible yes So I hope you guys all enjoyed that
0: story. And actually, can we just give a round of applause to women all over the place right now? Every woman that is doing everything they can to just survive this rotten world and all of the freaking chaos that comes with it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, Happy International Women's Day, everyone. Happy International Women's Day. And like always... Thank you guys for listening and we hope to catch you in the next one. If you want to follow us on Instagram, our name is story crime pod. And if you want to email us any uh, suggestions for future cases, or if you just have any comments or constructive criticism for us, (laughs) uh, we love to hear. Yeah. Feedback. We'd love to hear from anyone. If you just want to say hi, we'd also love to hear from you there too. So We haven't got any emails yet. So if somebody emailed us, I'd be very excited. (laughs) We might even share it. (laughs) We might even share it. So yeah, our email address is storycrimepod at gmail.com. So we hope to hear from you guys. We love you all and go and celebrate the women in your life today, guys.
1: Yes.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.